How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, today is, of course, the running of the 2019 New York City Marathon. And it was become an annual tradition on the Sports Edge. I I like to talk about the the art and science of running on the show. And as I you know said many, many times on the program, and I always advise parents, it makes no difference what sport your child pursues, just as long as he or she finds some sort of activity or sport that is good for their physical fitness and their well-being. Now, in a day and age where, let's face it, too many kids really just sort of sit in front of a a video screen and obesity concerns are everywhere. There are very few activities as good for your child as simply going out and running. Now, this could be running short sprints. It could be long distance. But if if your child likes to run, it's really, really good for their health. And you should obviously, as a parent, encourage them to run because not only is it good for their health now, but, you know, down the road, uh, once they get finished with their own other sports activities, running is something they can do for the rest of their life. Now, joining me this morning, as always, is the highly respected track coach and marathoner Joel Pasternak. Based over in Jersey, uh, Joel has been a serious runner now for 54 years. He works with runners of all ages from as young as 7 right through 75. He's been coaching for 44 years, and along the way, he's competed in Numerous uh, New York City and Boston marathons and has been a top finisher. And like most runners, Joel has a passion for the sport of running that's lasted an entire lifetime and has no signs of slowing down. And of course, as we have go through uh, our discussion this morning, if you have any questions or comments, just give us a shout at one 337 6666 Joel, good morning. It's good to talk to you again. Rick, good morning. Good to talk to you on my eighth anniversary of being on the show with you on the New York City Marathon. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, as I said, you know, running uh, for a lot of a lot of people, a lot of sports parents, it's sort of assumed that well, if you're going to play, you know, any kind of sports, uh, that running is part and parcel of that activity. But the fact is, running in and of itself, I mean, goodness gracious, there are what fifty-two thousand people who are now running in today's marathon, 52,000 people. Uh, I, I just, it's staggering to me. Uh, the popularity of the sport is, is at an all-time high. I mean, running marathon or just running uh, 5Ks. I mean, Joel, how, how do you, I mean, you've seen all this in your entire lifetime. How, how do you account for the popularity of running? Well, I think a lot of people have uh, their bucket list that they want to do the marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel a good percentage of the people out there, unfortunately, are going to get the marathon in 
Hopefully they won't get injured uh, running the race, but I don't know if they're going to keep up the running and what kind of uh, aerobic activity they're going to keep up with after the race. Uh, you know, the people out there uh, are just uh, planning this race and maybe doing it the last year or so to get in shape for it. And uh, I am not a believer in people uh, running a marathon until they've been running at least three years. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. So you think it takes three years of training uh, and I guess you're talking about somebody who's never really run much, uh, but it'll take them three full years before they go out and try to run a marathon. Yeah, I think that's a, a good uh, figure for people to build up. Uh, you know, there's people in this race that uh, have not run a 5K, and then they jump into a half marathon. Uh, they do a 20-miler. They follow some of these programs. But some of these programs that are set up are uh, not set up for the beginners. Yep, yep. And uh, it's just... Uh, the uh, injuries are staggering. I've owned uh, a few sports stores over the years, and uh, runners, uh, when they come in and tell me after they had bought the shoes for me, and then I'm anxious to hear how they do it in the race, their first question to me is, do I know a good podiatrist or orthopedic surgeon? I'm having terrible problems with my legs. Because, because they're just not, not prepared to no. go through the physical duress of running. Um, exactly. And yeah, so, you know, three years... That's a long time, uh, you know, to prepare. But, you know, and I think a lot of people think, uh, Joel, that when they look at the championship runners, they say, oh, these are all people who are fairly uh, very fit. They're very thin. Um, but the fact is, it makes no difference if you're, if you're heavy set or, or squat or whatever your body size is. You can still run and learn how to run and run effectively even for long distances. Isn't, yes, isn't you that- can. If you do it properly, I've you know, worked with people of all shapes and sizes. Yep. But again, they have to be uh, brought around very carefully. And uh, the training has to be in a um, manner to where they... Um, keep improving little by little, and they add little mileage little by little. They cross-train, and just uh, I'd rather see them uh, with this uh, three-year period that I put on it that they're prepared, and when they finish it, it's something they want to do to, like you said at the beginning of the show, something they can do for the rest of their life, and they're not going to, after a year, because they did the marathon, they're going on to something new, uh, give it up, because like you said, it, it's so good for you, it's so good for the heart um, and, and your blood pressure and uh, slowing down the heart rate so you have a, a, a lot longer life. We're talking with Joel Pasternak. Obviously, we're talking about the benefits of running, obviously, today on the New York City Marathon. Let's take a, let's take a time out, Joel. Uh, Pete McCarthy has uh, the sports update. When I return, I got a lot more questions, and, of course, we'll take calls as well about the whole art and science of running. We're uh, talking this morning about running with Joel Pasternak. And by the way, you can find Joel at, uh, at his website at joelrun.com. Uh, and uh, obviously, Joel is, is a master when it comes to the, the coaching all sorts of ages when it comes to the uh, art and science of running. And, and before we get to our callers, uh, and by the way, folks, I'll remind you that the correct time is 7.46 this morning. Um, Joel, i got to ask you this. It's kind of an unusual question. You know, we talk so much about, about how, how, how beneficial running is 
for, for one's health. But do you advocate, especially with kids, uh, I'm talking kids, uh, you know, teenage years and whatever, about uh, there's so much concern these days about repetitive use injuries. Do you ever advocate that kids just take some time off from running and, and just to, you know, just to give their bodies a chance to recuperate? Um, well, I suggest uh, a week uh, between seasons of uh, not doing any running, but staying in shape and doing cross training, biking, elliptical, swimming. Mm-hmm. I also feel it's important that they check their equipment, make their shoes, are in good shape. Uh, a lot of times kids will run season through season, not get new shoes, not even think about their shoes. Uh, the insoles, uh, people should know that are in the shoes, are probably made for about a dollar and that the insoles inside running shoes will break down a lot sooner than the three, 400 miles you can get on a shoe, so you should replace and keep a tally of your running mileage. Uh, probably after the first 150 miles, get yourself a new insole. Really? Okay. For all, all ages of kids, and you should make sure uh, that the teenagers in any age should get their running shoes from a specialized running store to make sure they're being uh, fitted properly. What what about these uh, Hoka uh, running shoes, uh, which have great cushion for the soles? Are, are, you, are you a fan of those? Uh, not personally for myself. I tried a pair. Yeah. And uh, my wife was watching me running them and said, I don't think they're good for you. You just don't seem to be running efficiently. Uh-huh. And uh, though I see when I'm at the track coaching and the stores I deal with that I send customers and trainees to, uh, have their runners in it, and they love them. So it's it's not for everyone. You know, the New Balance are great, but they're not. So there's there's plenty of good models out there. You just have to feel uh, to test them all, and most running stores will let you go out and run in them and test them out, and they'll let you bring them back if after a couple of runs they're just not the right ones for you. Well, I, I'm glad. That was my next question, Joel. Can we, are you allowed to, you know, sort of take them out for a test run? to see if, uh, if the cushions, if the, the feel, if they're efficient. I guess you're saying, yeah, they'll let you do that. Yeah, um, many of the stores I deal with, the uh, Roadrunner Sports, the Fleet Feets, uh, they're pretty good on uh, taking back sneakers because you're not going to know till you've run three to five miles if it's really the best sneaker for you, you know, walking around the store, jogging in place. It's just not the same as going out there because don't forget your body weight um, is uh, two and a half times. So uh, someone like me, 120 pounds, you double that, and they add 60 pounds. That's 300 pounds of pressure going down uh, through sure. my legs. Sure, uh, And uh, in a, a three-foot stride, that's 1,700 times a mile. So uh, you've got to test that out and make sure they're the right shoes for you and make sure they're on your foot properly and tied properly. Yeah, one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. And I'm glad you mentioned, Joel, about advocating that kids take a week off between seasons, let their bodies sort of, you know, recuperate from, uh, as you say, the pounding that goes on when you run. Let's, uh, let's start our conversation this morning with, uh, with Steve right here in Manhattan. Steve, good morning. You're on the fan. All right, Rick. Great show. And you got Pistol Pete doing the updates, man. You're in heaven there. <laughs> now, the, the uh, years ago, they would throw guys out of the, not throw them out, they wouldn't let them in the military if they had flat feet. Yep. But now they let them in if they make a special insult for them. And they let they let them in. That's the, what I'm going to say. Young athletes, parents, everyone should have your feet, the kids' feet checked if they have flat feet or a high arch or an arch. I'm told that you can correct flat feet when the kid is very young. But athletically, you should know because if the kid does have flat feet, they could make insoles for him that could help him when he's running and stuff. Because flat feet affect some people, but we've had superstar athletes with flat feet. So that's the point I'm trying to make. 
check the feet out, see what they are, high arches, arch, or a flat foot, and train the foot, exercise the foot, and you can produce maybe a super athlete if the well, talent is there. Steve, that's a good point. Thank you for the call. And, and Joe, what, what about that? For example, I have flat feet, and... Uh, you know, I was not a gifted long-distance runner when I was a kid, but I was very, very fast as a sprinter. Uh, and as Steve mentioned, that you know, for a long time, I'm not sure it's still in play, but flat feet was a reason uh, not to be accepted into to military service. What about runners, long-distance runners with flat feet? Have you noticed any, any concern there? Uh, a little concern, but uh, with my athletes and even the younger kids, uh, I have them during uh, some of the practices running bare feet, I have them walking on their toes, walking on their heels. Uh-huh. Like he said, uh, strengthening their foot, uh, having the proper insole. Like I said, these insoles the sneakers come with, they flatten out right away. So if you have a flat foot, it's going to flatten it out. Uh, so you don't really need to buy an extra arch because you don't, you don't need it. But Steve had uh, some very good points. Now, when you say insoles, we're not talking about orthotics, or, or is that you consider orthotics as part of this as well? Yes, I do. I consider orthotics, which uh, you can buy basic orthotics um, in a drugstore, your shows, or uh, super feet. You can buy in Dick's or, or running stores, or you can go to a podiatrist. There's a very good podiatrist uh, uh-huh. that can make you uh, personal insoles that they uh, mold to your feet. Okay, that's good to know. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's go up to uh, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Harry, good morning. You're next up on the hey. fan. How are you? Yes, good, so- Harry. I ran my first Boston in 1975. I just ran a marathon last weekend. Okay. Everything everything you guys are saying is true, you know. It just, uh, running just goes, I started in high school, played football, all the other sports, but I just ended up running, and I, and I never stopped. And it's really a good activity. It's good It's good for in between the years, you know what I'm saying? If you sure. can get out three or four times a week, and then every now and then, maybe you run one, but. But last weekend was craziness, but, you know, just keep going. That's It's great activity. Harry, I just wanted to say that. Harry, how old are you? I'm, I'm 60. I'll be 64 in December. And so you've been running pretty much since you said the 70s, and, so that's that's impressive. Yeah, 70, 75. I ran my first Boston, but I never belonged to a club. I'm, I'm kind of an anti-club guy, but I ran. I just, you know, I run with club people and all that, but I just like the sport kind of. Everyone belongs to a club, and the sport changed. There's more women than men by three to one, for sure. You know, I'm surprised, um, you know, that there's so many women. And I just feel sad about the Salazar thing. What was going through his head to do what he did? But, <laughs> hey, good show. Thanks, right. Harry. Thanks. Keep hey, Harry, thanks. Okay. Yeah. Now, 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 Joel, let me ask you about that. Harry just made an interesting observation. Uh, that he, He's under the impression that there are more women runners these days than there are males. Is is that your sense as well? Yes, it's uh, my sense uh, from what I see at the parks and the tracks. But it's also very interesting that I have a lot more women coming to me who want to be coached than men. It seems like they're willing to admit they'd like to be guided, they'd like to have a program, not have to think about it, whereas men don't want to step up and say, I need help. So it's very interesting, but I definitely see a lot more women out there running, and it'd be interesting to see the... Uh, Results after the New York Marathon of how many women ran uh, against how many men ran. So, so when when somebody comes to you, you know, like a, say a, a, a woman, um, presumably an adult, 
and they say, okay, coach, show me what, what kind of program, what kind of regimen uh, should I be on? Uh, what's, what's your introductory remarks to them in terms of, of getting them started as a runner? Well, it's very important on your background. I want to know uh, how long they've been running, uh, what kind of times they've been running. I'd like to see uh, what they've been running for the last three months. So I'm not jumping into with my eyes closed. I know exactly that when I start with them, they've been maybe doing 15 miles a week and they've been doing a long run, what kind of paces they've been doing. So I do a lot of research with them to make sure they start off on the uh, uh, right foot uh, to uh, get them uh, going in the right direction to be successful. Uh-huh. And, and, and uh, what, 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 in terms of, you say, obviously you have to sort of, I guess you're saying you're tailoring the, 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 the training regimen according to what their background is and what they want to accomplish. I mean, do they come to you specifically and say, you know, I like to run at some point in a marathon, or they just say, actually, just want to be able to stay in shape or run a 5K. I mean, is that how you figure this out to determine what, what their actual uh, needs and goals are? Yeah, like I'll have uh, women who will say, uh, I want to get faster in my 5K. I'll have women who say, I want to finish my 5K. I'll have a woman who said, I'm stuck. I've been trying and trying to break four and a half hours in the marathon. What can I do? I can't do it on my own. So, uh, you know, each uh, individual is a nice challenge, and I enjoy. I meet them once a week for 45 minutes at a track, mm-hmm. and I give them homework they have to follow, and they can either call me or email me or text me, and uh, I uh, bring them along very carefully, and uh, it's been uh, a real good uh, uh, challenge for me and uh, exciting to see their improvements. And I gather this goes on all year round, even though the weather starts to get chilly this time of year. Yeah, all year round, 365 days a year. Uh, people meet me at a park uh, uh, January, February, March. Uh, fortunately, uh, where the track is that I use uh, most of the times, I can drive my car up and I can sit in the car while they're running so I don't get too cold. <laughs> I was going to say, it's one thing that they're out running and working out and you're sitting there, standing there watching. So, hey, I'm glad yeah. to hear you get some shelter from this. Exactly. What, now, what about with the younger younger runners, uh, kids and their you know their teenage years, is twelve, thirteen year old? Uh, I mean, that would, are those I assume those are the critically important years for kids who really want to become competitive runners. Correct. Correct, and, and that's a very good point you uh, bring up, uh, and I'd like to bring to your listeners' attention. There's something called Severs, S-E-V-E-R apostrophe S, Severs disease. Yes. Okay, and it's heel pain. It's about the growth plate in boys' heels uh, between the age of 10 and 13. And it's, it's nothing horrible, but it's a lot more boys get it uh, than girls will get it. And you just have to uh, be uh, very conscious of this when it comes along and not panic and just uh, let the child's foot uh, grow and catch up to his height and uh, just uh, having the proper shoes. And uh, what also is very important in the younger ages that I find is parents and coaches get very upset when their kids are improving. This has been a very big point over the years, and they, they go crazy, and they think they've got to push their kids harder, the coaches got to push their kids harder. Well, there's something called plateauing. Yes. And all athletes, uh, all ages, will plateau, where they'll hit a certain time, whether they're running the mile, the two-mile, the 800, or 5K, they'll plateau where they're going to even off, where they're not going to improve for a while. And I have found that it's very important, and I stress to everybody when I meet people in groups 
or individually that you can't go crazy. You can't say, well, I want to increase my miles by 10, 15 miles a week. I want to increase my speed. No, you don't do that because that's where you're going to get hurt. Huh. Well, you, have to roll, you have to roll with it, stick with it, and just stick with what you're I, doing, and then all of a sudden you're going to snap out, out of it, and uh, you'll see your times come down. I want to come back and talk about that whole, that whole situation with plateauing, particularly with teenage runners, but we've got to take a timeout. We're talking this morning about, about running with Joel Pasternak. We're talking about all different ages and things you need to know about the science of running and how you can improve your times. Uh, we're taking your calls at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. 337 Take a time out uh, for an update. Uh, when we come back, we'll go right back to your calls. Stay with me. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. And uh, before I get back to our conversation about running with uh, Joel Pasternak, I I do want to take a quick moment to talk about this new bill in New York State that's going to uh, ban tackle football in all forms for kids who are 12 and younger. Now, in short, and I know that some of you would disagree with me, but I do think this bill is long overdue. There's nothing wrong with postponing tackle football until a youngster is 13 or 14 when his body is stronger and he can learn the proper techniques of tackling. There's really, quite frankly, no advantage in taking risk when they are younger just let them play touch or flag football. And yes, I know, I know concussions can occur in flag and touch football as well. I know that. But at least the odds of physical contact are greatly reduced, particularly to the head. So I, I do think the time has come for this bill to become law. It's put an end to tackle football uh, for kids who are 12 and younger, uh, just like they do in USA ice hockey, where kids aren't allowed to do any physical checking until they're 13 or 14. It's about time we do this in terms of uh, tackle football as well in order to cut back on potential concussions. Now, let's hope this, this bill becomes a law, and maybe we can do some more good in terms of trying to prevent more concussions in sports like, like soccer as well, which is also a serious concern. Okay, let's get back to talking about running. By the way, Joel Pasternak, you know, he's running 16 marathons. He's run more than 150,000 miles in his life. That's pretty... That's pretty impressive. Joel, let's get back to our calls. Let's go to uh, let's go to our friend Jack Smithlin over in Fairlawn. Hey, Jack, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. How are you? Good, and and doc, Dr. Joel, we, we talked, I think, last year. I met you at uh, Rick's Symposium in Fairlawn. Yes, we did. And I want to congratulate you, Jack, on your position at Monco State. Congratulations as assistant oh. coach. Thank, thank you so much. I'm having a ball. I'm having a ball with it. Um couple things real quick, and I'll make them real quick. Um, as much as I used to think that watching people run was like watching paint dry, um, I actually got to go to a, a New York City marathon two years ago. Uh, my son Zach's wife, Cindy, um, who are now parents, Rick knows, they just had a baby, They um, she ran in the, in the New York City Marathon, and it was one of the most exciting sporting events I've ever been to in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. 
we get to move around and follow her, you know, cutting corners to get to her next spot and things like that. So it was a very, very exciting thing. And talking about exercising, once you start running, I believe it's like an addiction because when you, when you miss out on a workout or something, you feel like you're cheating yourself. And I used to run. I boxed in, in high school. I, I boxed um, competitively in high school. And that's where I got introduced to my distance running. And, you know, the workouts were always great. But along my career, I've had many, many knee surgeries, 16 in total. And actually, I've gone through three knee replacements. I still enjoy running, but my doctors tell me don't run because the pounding will loosen up the joints. So what's a great alternative? I know what I do, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm in love with it. But are there other alternatives that you, uh, a runner that has had injuries that could actually um, continue with their running. Um, like I use an elliptical, and I love it because there's no pounding. But with the new Pelotrons and all these new bikes and, and these systems, they're, they're, they're fabulous. So uh, what would you suggest? Jack, good question, and thanks as always for the call. Joel, what about that? What do you recommend? Well, um, I've had six uh, knee surgeries. Uh, okay. My last one was a full knee replacement, and I researched, and I found a machine called a Zero Runner, which you can run on the Zero Runner, and there is no pounding to your knees. So you're running the running motion, also an elliptical motion. Uh, it's an investment, but uh, the miles I've been putting on it over the years has made it worthwhile, and uh, that's a real good machine to use. Uh, the biking, the Pelotons, the Swift Rider, uh, there's a lot of things that uh, you can do, and it's not the same, uh, I find, endorphins, but I do, I wear a lot of sweats. Uh, I've now decided over the last couple of years, I wear a mask when I run. It's a uh, high-altitude ma- oxygen mask, because I can't get my heart rate up as high as when I run, so I wear that when I work out on these different machines. Whoa, 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 whoa no, I'm confused. Why would you wear a mask? To, to, to make it more difficult to breathe air? Right. It, it makes it simulate like I'm at 3,000 to 5,000 feet altitude so I can get my heart rate up higher to where it will be when I'm doing my running. No kidding. Okay. I, you know, I, I've seen people wearing masks when they're running. I figured maybe they just did, they were trying to protect from getting some germs or something. I had no idea it was, it was designed to basically let them to, to, to raise their heartbeat. Like if you lived up in, uh, you know, uh, New Mexico or we're running up in Africa with the Kenyans. Sure, sure. This, this simulates uh, and it helps getting the heart rate up higher if you're in that type of training and you want to make uh, the heart muscle that you need to. Uh, Rick, uh, exercise 25 to 30 minutes four times a week, and you need to try to get that heart rate in a 60 to 70 percent range to make the heart stronger. You'll sweat, you'll lose weight, you'll feel pretty good, you'll keep the blood flowing, but if you want to really keep getting that heart muscle stronger, lower your resting heart rate, you need to do at least 25 to 30 minutes four times a week and get that heart rate up into the 60-70% range. Huh, interesting. I, I, I had no idea. That, that's, that's a pretty good tip, Joel. Let's uh, continue with our callers. Let's go over to, uh, to Montclair, uh, New Jersey. Joel was standing by. Hey, Joe, you're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Good, Joe. What's up? Good morning, Joe. Um, Rick, I um, ran when I was in my teens and uh, 20s, ran the New York Marathon in 1994. Didn't really enjoy running in my teens and 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, I, t- I took up distance running again about a year and a half ago, 
and uh, I was introduced to Joel Pasternak. And uh, I can tell you that uh, I have trained with Joel over the past year and a half, and in the time that I've been with him, Rick, he has shaved 15 minutes off my half marathon time. I went from a 153 half marathon to a 138, and I'm, I'm 51 years old. Yeah. And we, we probably uh, we can probably get it down, you know, maybe not quite to an hour and a half, but maybe 132, 133. So I, I just, you know, I'm calling to say that everybody who's listening and hearing what Joel is talking about, um, you know, he's a tremendous coach. And when you ask him, is this a 365 day a year thing? Yep. You know, he's out there with me in the brutal cold February. He's out there during the heat in August. Um, there is so much that goes into running in terms of, you know, diet, uh, proper stretching, cross training, heart rate, uh, just really calling to say that you've got an unbelievable guest who you get on this show every year because he's become really an important part of my life and, uh, you know, it's helped me really live healthy, which, uh, of course, is so important. Thanks a lot, Joe. Thanks for the call. Joe, that is... See you tomorrow. Yep. Joe, that's uh, quite a salute to Joel, and and, uh, I must tell you, and and thank you so much for for calling in and and sharing those those sentiments. Appreciate it very much. I, I will tell you that I get lots of emails and calls about just how great a coach Joel Pasternak is. And again, friends, if you want to work with Joel, just go to his website at joelrun.com because, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just just a a veritable fount of great information when it comes to running. He's done it all his life, uh, and and clearly he knows what he's talking about. Plus, he has that ability to, to connect with individuals uh, and, and to basically get them to learn how they can improve uh, their running abilities and their times and everything else. Let's, uh, let's, go, let's move on. Let's go to King's Point to, to Frank. Frank, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Hey, good, morning. good morning, guys. Love the show. Yeah, Frank. <clears throat> guys, uh, I was, I was a uh, professional bodybuilder for many, many years. And um, the one word that I haven't heard you guys talk about tonight is uh, moderation. Um, you've heard a call, even the doctor on the show, 16 knee operations, this knee op. I mean, this has to be in moderation. Um, if you take a sporter or a, an activity too far, uh, it's going to catch up with you. And, uh, I look at some of these marathon runners and, uh, to me, they look emaciated. I mean, they don't look healthy to me at all. Their muscles are stringy. They're <laughs> underweight. They're underweight. Frank, I just want your, yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking at a, at a break here. I'll jump in here, and I hear what you're saying, and this is why. And Frank, thank you for for your the call. But remember, I, I said a few uh, minutes ago that that you know that uh, Joel does advocate high school runners uh, because we are in an age of over specialization and repetitive use injury. Joel made it very clear that he wants kids to take at least a week off uh, from one season to the next, so the bodies have a chance to recuperate. As far as the, the professional runners, the, the really elite, they are thin, uh, certainly, but their heart rates are spectacular. Uh, they're in great physical shape, so I'm not really quite sure that uh, they're overdoing it because clearly they're, they're, they perform at, at, a, at a top level, and they, and they obviously are in great, great shape. So I hear what you're saying about overdoing it, but moderation is the key uh, but again, let's make sure that we understand this is one of the healthiest things 
at one of the healthiest activities you can do for your body. It's as simple as that. All right, Joel, let me let me take another pause here. We're talking with Joel Pasternak. We're talking about the art and science of running. We're taking calls at one 337 And back here on the Sports Edge, uh, we're talking about running today with uh, Joel Pasternak, and you can find uh, Joel's website at joelrun.com. And let's get one more quick call in, Joel, before we wrap things up. Uh, talking about moderation when it has involving running, uh, let's go out to uh, to Queens, and Bob is uh, with us. Yeah. Bob, good morning. You're on the fan. Uh, yes, good morning. Listen, I have a question. It doesn't involve injuries to knees. Yep. But I've been running for maybe 40 years, and... My doctor told me, it sounds crazy, I know, but he said to me, because I'm getting floaters in the eye, I've had retina detachments, he's telling me that, that to moderate, stop the running, or at least moderate it, because the retina detachments, the floaters in the eye are causing the fluid uh, to tear on the retina mm-hmm. and causing the problem. Has your guest ever heard anything related to eye diseases or, or retina detachments or anything related hey, as a result of running. Good, good question, Bob and Joel. What, what, have you heard about uh, related uh, injuries, uh, you know, too much running causing floaters in the eye, uh, retina oh, concerns? Uh, I've never never heard of that in all my years of a coaching. Uh, you know, a lot of injuries from the neck down, but I've uh, never heard of uh, retina problems. Um, and just going back real quickly, the moderation that Frank yes. uh, brought up, uh, was very good, and that's why the podiatrists and orthopedic surgeons are uh, in very good business because people don't know how to use moderation. <laughs> well, you know, we do say that running is great for you, and I, I again, I caution you. You made it very clear up front this morning that you you tell kids uh, in high school and younger, you know, we're going to have to make sure you take time off you know, from one season to the next. That's important lesson to take away. You also mentioned about plateauing, where kids are working and working and working. They don't see the immediate results, but after a while, suddenly things just begin to sort of blossom, and the times get better and better. This is all part of the the, the fascination and beauty of running, and of course, we've already discussed how, how important it is to stay in shape uh, you know, for the one's bulk of one's life. I mean, yeah, joints do wear out. We know about knee replacements. We know about hip replacements, those kind of things. But, you know, people come back and, and, and resume running. It becomes, as, just, as people have said to it, it's been part of their life. They look forward to the, to the, the physical exercise. It's as simple as that. Hey, Joel, uh, this is the eighth year. You said I, I, it's just always a, a joy to talk to you. Stay in good shapes. Keep running. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk again next year for sure. Yep, thanks. Same to you, and uh, feel well and be healthy. Thanks, Joel. That, of course, is Joel Pasternak, a terrific running coach over in New Jersey, and you can find more about him at joelrun.com. Let's try to work in one more call. Let's go to uh, to Dave in Trenton. Dave, good morning. You want to talk about tackle football, is that correct? Yes. Go ahead. Uh, the thing is, like, if you read about, like, European soccer yes there's more concussion and fractured skulls in soccer than there is in football by far yeah i you know if you people have heard me on the show talk about well a lot of attention's paid to to tackle football i understand that because of the concussions with the nfl whatever but the other sports that are contact sports like soccer uh like ice hockey and uh you know we, we, we can't lose sight of how, how important those 
uh, concussions are in those sports as well and how they need to take, take care to try to cut down uh, on those risks as well. And Mike, can I make another point? Sure, go ahead. Mike, my, my son played Pop Warner football, right? And the, it's all in the coaching, how they teach these kids how to tackle. Sure. Like some teams would use, what's it, the Heinz Ward? Uh, they made what, the Heinz Ward rule because the guy broke Heinz Ward. You know, they, they would peel off and blindside kids. There were, there were teams that coached it, well, right? Yeah, and, and one I, time my son got knocked out of a game, and a a, a, high, a a very prominent high school football coach who was on the sideline basically said to the referee, "Why didn't you call that?" And the referee said, "Mind your own business." Yeah, well, <laughs> look, all I can tell you, Dave, is uh, I, I think we have reached a point uh, in terms of the evolution of contact sports where we finally begin to say, okay, let's use some common sense here. Uh, we've heard from all the medical experts who say there's no reason for kids to start playing tackle football until their neck muscles are strong enough. And Dave, thank you for, for the call this morning. You know, th- th- until their neck muscles are strong enough to, to basically hold their head up uh, and in a protective way, so in, in effect that their, their, their head, their brain, you know, are well-supported by their body by the time they're 14, and that's coupled with great coaching as well. We really have to emphasize, uh, and I know Pop Warner is all about this these days as well, but they're trying to basically teach kids the right way to tackle when it comes to playing tackle football. But, again, the concussions are part of the deal. They're also part of ice hockey, which is why I mentioned USA Hockey doesn't allow checking until kids are 13. Uh, concussions are next up uh, in terms of soccer. We have to have a sort of a real sort of reevaluation of what's going on in terms of concussions in our society and what we can do with our kids to protect them as best we can. Okay, that's going to do it uh, for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Kevin Wall. Please stick around for JJ. He's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the same garage get cox internet powered by fiber with america's fastest download speeds it's internet built for tomorrow today cox always building better cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection speeds vary and are not guaranteed cox terms and other restrictions may apply analysis by ukulele speed test intelligence data fixed median download speeds usq3 2023